I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome on today's episode we have Blake Jones who is a documentary video and his show is called CSI Conscious Society Issues Hello and welcome to the show Blake, how are you doing today? I'm fine, I'm fine, and yourself? I'm good, thank you It's actually called Common Society Issues, just to correct that Ah, okay yeah, like issues that are common in our society. So we call it CSI, Common Society Issues. Okay. Blake, where are you from? I am from Nigeria originally, but I grew up in Ireland. And when you say you grew up in Ireland, did you spend a few years in Nigeria or was it just straight born and come to Ireland? No, actually, I grew up in Nigeria up until I was 13 years old. And in 1999, February 99, I moved to Ireland to join my parents because my parents were already living here since 95, 96. So I just came to join them about three, four years later. So I've been in Ireland ever since then. So I've only been back to Nigeria only twice ever since then as well. You know, so I'm practically Irish now, you know, living in Ireland for nearly 22 years. So Wow, that's a long, that's a long time. Having best of both worlds. <laughs> you probably are full Irish now instead of Nigerian, right? Where you have your parents speak it, but yes, you're 100% Irish in some way at the same time. I, I can say so. I can say that as well. Yes. It's good that, you know, you have this, I have this a little bit of African culture in me. So um, I could say that teach me a little bit of some discipline, you know, and then learning it the Irish way. So being able to put both cultures together, I think it's just, um, it's a good thing to have both knowledge of both cultures and growing up, you know, in both backgrounds. So I love the Irish way, I have to say as well. Why do you like the Irish way? 
because I could say it's the only way that I know. It's the only way that I actually mature into and grow into, you know? So that's what I know mostly. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how what we know is, you know, we know, but yes, we can alter that and change that to, to be a different reality in, in some way. That's very true. So you've done primary school, secondary school, you've done all the education. Did you go into university or do you kind of study and do a job or tell us about that? Yeah, okay. Growing up in Ireland is a little bit difficult actually. So let me just say, first of all, I don't have a degree. So I did go to school in Ireland. I didn't go to primary school in Ireland. I went to primary school in Nigeria because I was very young then. So I went to secondary school in Ireland. I went to Marion College in Dublin for Bosbridge, you know? And I also went to college also in Ireland. So I can talk to you a little bit about the college part of it, you know? And this is part of what brought me to who I am today, you know, doing video documentaries on, on CSI, Common Society Issues, which is something that I think a lot of people can learn from as well. With regards to the college itself, you know, growing up in Ireland and when we were to talk about mental health and issues like that. So I'll talk about, let's say, issues within the family, you know, parenting issues. While I was young, you know, just finishing secondary school. And when I was about to go to college, you know, I have to pay college fees, of course. And just around about then, my parents were going through their own little, you know, arguments, you know, getting divorced and stuff like that. And none of them were ready to pay the college fees. You know, you pay fee, I pay fee. So all the arguments broken. And I was like, you know what? You guys don't have to worry about me. And I was like, I'll take a year off after finishing my living cert and I'm going to work for a year to try and save up for college, you know? And I would have said maybe it would have been a wrong idea or a wrong decision to make. It might work out or work out for some people, you know? But it would have been a good thing or a great thing if the parents could have been supported in a way then, you know, instead of, having misunderstanding between each other. So the one year I took off to say I'm going to work for one year and go back to college and be able to pay for my college fees, I fell in love with money when I started working full time. So I just could not see myself going back to college, you know? So a few years down the line, I would have my parents and my friends and everyone telling me, you know what, um, you have to go to college, you need to finish your thing. And my, the parents that don't want to pay for education are still the ones saying, you have to go to college, you have to finish this because they know you're working now, you've, you're making money from full time, you know, so under the pressure. And I am this kind of person, everything changed. I hated college. I just couldn't learn in college. It's not, I, I just couldn't focus in college. If I was in college in a lecture room, if I'm sitting there for an hour, I will definitely lose focus for like at least half an hour within that time. So I know college wasn't for me and I am someone that I have talents in many ways. I can do stuff with my hands and so on. And growing up in Ireland as well, I did so much stuff with cars, like, you know, pimp my right, like pimp my right, you know, when you pimp so many stuff on cars, like doing speakers, DVDs and everything, or having Lamborghini doors, you know, having like different type of modification on cars, basically. I just believe that, okay, I could do something else outside of college and make money, but I was had a full-time job and working like different financial institutions and stuff like that. So I did the cutting as a part-time stuff. So just to try and satisfy my parents and my friends and stuff like that, I went to college for one year. I was meant to be a four-year course. After one year, I quit. 
<laughs> I quit. And then my friends used to look at me and be like, you should be like someone like Elon Musk or working with, you know, those kind of like Elon Musk and technologies because the things that you can do with cars, the things that you can do with your hands, you know, that you have so much talent, you should be an engineer, you should be this, you know, and everyone, you know, just to try and satisfy everyone. Four years later, I went back to college again. After one year, <laughs> I quit. <laughs> I quit again. <laughs> then that's when I realized, you know what, college is not for me. It just, you know, and the only way that I know I can learn is that because if we were to go to college now and if I was saying I was missing half an hour of the lectures imagine me going back to the lecture after each lecture saying oh remember what you said there or what you talked about there or something like that and I do that very often you would think I'm crazy you know so my own ways of learning, I believe for me, is like maybe I usually, I do a lot of online courses because I know if I register for an online course and is there something that I'm studying or learning, I'm trying to learn there. And it's something I can always go back to. I do it in my own time. You know, it's like I'm in control of what I'm learning. But when I'm in a class full of people, it's just impossible for me. So a lot of stuff that I do today, even with videography or photography, for the last 10 years I've been, you know, practicing all this stuff and all, I learn a lot of this stuff online and I put everything into practical, practical and practice and practice and practice. So I like to do things my own way for me to elevate in life rather than learning from some, I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to learn from someone, but we just all have different ways of learning in a way, you know? So your question. I didn't finish my education in Ireland. I don't have a master's or degrees or anything like that. But I do. <laughs> I have my qualifications, let's say, from, from the school of ad hoc life. You, you get that? I get that, yeah. I think it's a cool way to, to look at it. But I want to I figure out what were your obsession and, and pimp my ride with cars? Like, how did that come about? I think it was just a thing like when I was young, okay? My parents used to buy me toys, okay? Like, imagine you get a toy for Christmas Day, you open your Christmas Day toys and everything. And I always wanted to know how was this made? You know, these rotor cars, we have these remote control cars. How is this made, you know? So the, by the next day, I've opened the whole thing apart. And my parents used to beat the hell out of me. They're like, what the hell? Like, you know, we bought you a gift. You know, most children don't open their toys, take a knife and open the car up or the remote control up. You know, my parents used to beat me up, but they never thought, they never understood why I was doing that or asked me the reason why I was doing that, you know? But, you know, when you hear that shoutness and, you know, even myself, I was unable to explain to them why I opened the car because when they got the first shot, of their life, you know, seeing that everything has been destroyed and they take maybe a cane and try to beat me up. How dare you? I only just paid for this, you know. When they beat me up, I forget my reasons. I don't even bother telling them, you know. So when I grew up, when I was growing up and I grew up to a stage, okay, I can buy things myself then. I don't have to worry about them, you know, beating me up then. I buy things and I practice myself. So about at the age of 12, 13, 14, I used to build a rotor car myself, you know. So that's how this talent came up. And when I was 17, I bought my first car. And everything I've been doing before, I've been doing them on a toy car, but not in a real car. So when I was 17, when I bought my first car, I went to pay someone 700 pounds. I can remember it was still pounds and then before euros, you know, to help me put speakers and a DVD in my car. And I asked him, if I was to give you this, I need to stand there and watch you do it. And the guy was like, yeah, okay, I don't mind. You can, you can watch. So I stood, he didn't know that I was trying to see everything he was doing. And I was very, very pissed off that 
I paid seven hundred pounds for you to do this shit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because it was something I had an idea with, and I was so scared to try it myself. But I have to get someone to do it first and do it. So I paid the money. The next day, I took it all apart and I put it my way, and I went back to him and showed him, like, look, look. And he was shocked. He was like, "You're crazy." I was like, "Yeah." It's like you just paid money yesterday, and you open it up back the next day. He was shocked. He was, I was like, I, "I just think I can do better than you." I used to try and think I was better than him already, even without doing anything. So from there, that was when the old idea. So my first car, I must have changed the car around about ten different times just to show off and show my friends, see this cool thing that I did, see this cool thing that I did, you know. And from then, everyone started coming to me. Oh, can you do my car like this? Can you do this to my car? Can you do this to my car? So I just started doing it then, you know? But back then, I used to hang around with the wrong crew. So I never thought anything about business or anything about success or how to spend money. I was very useless, to be honest with you. I spent all of my money on partying. And I did not even think of how to actually make a career out of this old logic or this old, old idea. I was just a miserable person growing up. A young guy that has no clue about life. He just wants to party, do his own stuff, show off and show people what he can do, you know, and that was just about it, you know? Why do you think you have to show off to people? I don't know. I think is this is a cultural thing in a way that I'm not actually afraid about uh, talking about. I think, you know, when you grow up in a black community or if you're African, so to speak, somehow, there's this thing about, I don't know, in our culture, there's always about competition or something, you know, and it took me a long while or a long time to actually realize that. We don't have to continue living like this, you know, that you're better than someone else or you're better than this or or this is what makes you, you know, a better person, all these things that you have around you and stuff like that. You know, so for me to kind of, I don't know how to put it, like for me to kind of like um, back then, you know, for me to kind of like, you know, be this, and be this important person in the society or this special person that, you know, you then I was all about women and partying as well. I was hanging around, like, let's say, with the wrong crew that were kind of doing the same thing, but probably doing their own illegitimately, making them money illegitimately. So let's say, for example, someone making money through drugs without me knowing that or giving less care about what they do for a living or how they make their money. But as long as I see that they're a flashy person or a flashy friend that we can all flash together, or maybe someone that's a fraud star, you know, and maybe it was just me being ignorant and not caring about what they do for a living. I'm just like, yeah, we're all friends and we all party together. So I was spending the money. I was working and sweating hard for but they were spending, I don't know how they make their money. So those were the kind of crew that I was hanging around with, you know, without thinking straight or without knowing what tomorrow is or your future or how to set goals for myself or plan my future, you know? So I was just living for today, basically then, you know? So that was why. What made you change to figure out, hey, I'm going the wrong way. What is the right way? Now you're going deep into the question. <laughs> it's a good thing, yes. What made me change? I like this. Because not many people that go through this type of experiences know how to change or can accept change or figure out or accept that, okay, maybe this is not right for me in a way, you know? Sometimes not until you go through a trauma in life or you go through an important part of your life that, you know, you lose everything and you're just like, you know what, is this who I really want to become or is this who I really am or so? That's why I said, okay, what really brought me to change basically was that when I was 27, 28, 
I was living with a friend, just a friend, but in my house almost every day up until that time, about for about 10 years, up until 27, 28. I am always having friends in my house, You're always just partying and drinking and stuff like that and having maybe two girlfriends, different girlfriends, always cheating, never someone that I thought of settling down. And at the point, my friends, some of them were using me. Some of them were homeless. Like I would help someone. I'll try to help someone for like a month or two to try and put themselves back together. And But they end up staying with me for like a year. And I realized I was feeding people. I was doing stuff. So, and I was like, there was a point I needed to push everyone away, but I just couldn't as well. My mom as well didn't like that lifestyle in a way because she's always tried to encourage me to have a better life, but I just never see it. And in a way, I wanted to make her happy as well, but I, I kind of said, like, okay, everything I'm doing is for other people. How do I take care of myself? How do I do things for myself? That's when I realized, you know what? I need to be serious and have a serious girlfriend and start planning my future or something, you know? And what actually changed my life was when I made a decision to actually settle down and have a girlfriend and maybe start planning to have a family. You know, and the day a woman told me she was pregnant, pregnant for me, that was the day I sat down. A few days later, I sat down all of my friends in my house and I said to them, you know what, I'm moving out in the next one month. That was where everything began, first of all. But then the real life hit me, hit me when everything fell apart. Basically, I have two boys now, okay? So when I broke up with the mother of my children, when we broke up, that's when everything really, really, really shattered and hit me, you know? So that was when the biggest change of my life came, when depression hit me. I came to the lowest point of my life, I just lost it all. I thought I was mental. I was mad myself because when you're in this state, you feel you're alone. And when you're in this state, you feel that no one can actually understand you or understand your point of view or reason with you. So even your friends and family, sometimes you start to lose them because your family sometimes speak to you in a way that maybe you're losing control. Or and these things like, you know, a state of depression, sometimes even someone that's close to you, I believe in this moment, like, you know, this is when they should help you the most, but you may be also vulnerable right in front of them that they may not know how to actually help you. And it may end up to be in a situation where they just leave you be, you know, and just because they have their own problems that they have to deal with as well, you know, and you just fall into it. So that's what happened to me. Just a year later, after I felt like I was diagnosed maybe physically with this depression stuff, I nearly committed suicide. And it was just very, very, one thing changed, a little girl. The day I tried to commit suicide was on my birthday in 2016. Believe this or not, even though I'm a better person now and everything is okay now and things have changed and I'm changing for the better, every April, every year is one month. I always just never want to go back to That's why I always even forget my birthdays. I never want to celebrate birthdays anymore in April. You know, so that day it was, I went to a cliff in Bray because um, a friend of mine as well has killed himself around this area just a year or two before this as well. So when I always just think about my friend around that time, I just don't know. I don't know what made me thought like, you know what, I could go ahead and just take my life in the same area as well. I was there. I went there actually, you know, and about the doors. And there was a woman. And I believe she was an Eastern European woman for sure. She was walking by with her daughter. And her daughter must have been about four or five years old. And as they were walking, I was standing there just trying to wait to make sure there was no one around and no one would see what would happen. When they were walking towards me, the little girl kept on staring at me, wouldn't blink an eye. 
And I was looking straight in her eye. I even forgot that she was holding hands with her mother. I wasn't even looking at her mother at all. I was just looking at the little girl. And for some reason, I don't know, it's like I could see my mother speaking to me through this little girl's eyes. You've got to fight. Don't do this. Your children need you. You've got to fight. You don't. You, your children need you. You know. I just. Oh my God. Are you talking about? It just bringing me into bad memories and remembering all this. You know. And because I lost my mother. You know, the same year, a month before, just one month before. And on this day, what led me to suicide and um, to trying to commit suicide was because. It was my birthday and I tried to speak with my children. I tried to see my children. And obviously, I don't want to say anything bad about the mother of my kids, you know. She's an amazing woman. But that day, she made life so worse. And I was just like, what the hell am I even living for? Why do I even have these kids, you know? Or, you know, if I'm going to go through this, you know, and all these things, you know. That little girl, when I was looking through her eyes from five away, coming close to me, it's like my mom was speaking to me through her. Don't you ever dare do this, you know. Your children need you. You've got to fight find a way to fight you know if you think you're alone in this why don't you find a way to make sure that you use this process like to just fight and help everyone through the and i'm like how am i going to do that and when they got close to me the mother of that child looked at me and just grabbed that daughter and just walked away very fast like i was going to kidnap the daughter or something i was like i don't care you know it's like i got a message there and i just left that place and i went straight I drove into Dublin city center and I went to the family court. That's when I just went through that to just try to find a way to bring her to court to try and see my children. And with this, like we talked earlier, I have the best of both worlds being an African and Irish. And the way I was brought up, I was never someone that intended to bring the mother of my children to a third party, to the court system, or someone that intended to bring my life into the court system. I just never see myself that way. And it was a very, very hard decision for me to make, to go there and do that. Because I know there was no other way out. And I thought that was the next thing for me to try. And that's another story because I believe the Irish court system is another story for another day. It helped to some extent. I'm not going to say totally that the system is a failure. It's a failure, so to speak. It helped to some extent. I won't lie to you about this. And I can stand and I can vouch for them in this way that they do help to some extent. But it is a failure to some extent as well. I believe sometimes that men don't get heard at all. And this is the fact that men don't have the courage to speak sometimes we don't have a way of showing our emotions our inner emotions somehow and this is what women are very 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 good at i'm not saying this maybe to derogate women or to attack women in any way i love women you know women are amazing and everything like that you know but you know we just have different characteristics as to how we show emotions that's what i'm trying to talk about here you know and emotions play part role in the court system sometimes you know I don't know. Let me not go too much into the court system and all details so because that's a story for another day. And what I'm doing now as well, it's not like I'm going against the court system. That's why I'm a videographer now, because I want to show things in a way that we all can understand, both male, both female, and we can all understand the benefits and disadvantages of our actions sometimes. These are things that I believe we just clearly need to see rather than just hear out. We need to know what's happening. We need to know the effect of the actions we're taking in life, you know, and this is where I believe that maybe this is where I believe I can make changes. I can make people understand. I can make people learn. I can make people see things rather than just learn by hearing stuff and things that are non-believable or so, you know? So everything about my experience, Aaron, everything changed my life and shaped my life in a way when I thought about making a difference. How can I put my message out there? 
So from about two years ago, I started writing a movie, short movies to tell stories. And I know this is not about maybe writing a blog and posting out there or doing something with pictures and putting out there. It has to be visual, something that will send a message. And this would have to relate to life experiences, something that would relate to mental health, something that will relate to issues that we're actually going in this going on in the society that people can actually see and learn from. So experiences like, you know, fatherless children, experiences like broken home, experiences of like, let's say, alcohol effects, you know, experiences of drug effects, experiences of depression, experiences of anxiety, you know, experiences of mental abuse, experiences of, you know, um, physical abuse, any type of domestic abuse, all different type of stuff. I have them all written out, you know. So... This is what made me, this is what happened to the change. So I think I've gone way too much now. So I'll let you see if you want to ask me any further questions. Sorry. <laughs> you know, it, it sounds like the, the camera and that child was the fate to, to bring you to where you are at the moment where you have the camera and the video and you're trying to make people understand the fact that, you know, society has average advantages and disadvantages. And I think you're trying to capture the, the struggles and success at the same time. After you kind of came back and building back up to where you are now, when did the camera and the video come about? Okay, put it this way. Um, I love this now, you know, this camera and the video thing because at the beginning of this, I told you it was a car thing. So I am glad that I switched from someone that is using a car just to put a badge on himself to say, I am this cool guy. I am this guy that make cars that can do anything with my hands and stuff like that, which wasn't adding any value to the society. What is my existence in this society and this community? What am I adding as a value to this community? That wasn't doing anything. But now I switch from that to the camera and the camera thing. I started exactly about 10, 12 years ago with my friend, Another friend of mine called Blake, Oscar Blake, and other guys called Tohib and stuff. Photo- I have photographers all around me, you know, all my friends. I would just, I never had interest in it, but they always teach me and they always ask me them, please, they need an extra hand, you know? So I'll go to parties with them. I'll go to weddings and events with them and they show me their cameras, how to use it. And I help them take pictures and they're like, wow, it's like, and they always give me good feedback then, like, DJ, you didn't even have training of this, but how are you able to get a good composition, you know, a good shot, a good focus, a good, all of this? And I was like, man, DJ, you should do this, you should learn. And I'm like, no, I, I never liked it, you know? But I remember everything they used to talk to me about. And this only happened in 2016. After I tried to commit suicide and all that, when I was thinking of ways I can bring my ideas to life and everything like that, it took me after maybe towards the end of 2016 or start of 2017, it was difficult for me to actually accept that, okay, I need to get into these things these guys have been talking to me about. That's when the photography and videography actually came in. For me to send a message out, I need to learn how to use this properly. So I know that I have the natural ability to operate the camera and do everything, but I wanted to go deep more into it, you know? Then I started doing online course because I know I can't go to college. I actually check up, I check up for some colleges, you know, into multimedia to learn how to do how to do this. But then I was thinking, I failed at juggling working full-time and doing part-time evening courses. You know, I failed at that. If I do that again, doing it for multimedia to say I want to go for evening classes to do multimedia, I surely will quit. So the best thing for me and my brother, when I told my brother about this, he was the one that actually helped me. He was like, BJ, I have a website. I'll give you the website. 
any course you want to do, you can do it on this website. And I think this would be another way for you to learn. And I was like, wow, actually. And when I registered to do the first course there, I log out, I log back in again. You know, that's when I'm able to see that, okay, if I forget anything, even after one year, I can come back and watch it through this course and learn it over again. Whereas if I was to do that in college, I can't keep up calling the lecturer, you know, remember this thing you taught me six months ago, how do I do it again, you know? So I fell in love with online courses and I fell in love with YouTube and I started watching tutorials, tutorials on YouTube, how to make this, how to do this, how to edit this or that, you know, when all my friends are doing Netflix and chill, I'm doing tutorials and chill and tutorials and practice, you know? So this is how I got to learn and change and practice my trade on videography and knowing that, you know, at some point in life, I'm going to have to turn this into a career. But for now, I can't just yet. I just have to maybe find a sponsor. The whole idea in my head is, okay, I think I have a great idea on how I can add value to this society. But I'm working full-time and right now I can't leave the full-time job because with my idea, I know I need at least maybe 50 to 100,000 euro to bring this to life. Where am I going to get this money? I don't even make that money per year in where I work, you know? So for two years, I've been writing to different companies to try and find sponsors and to try and get money, you know, to try and do this and to make it happen. I even went to local enterprise office in Ireland, you know, to try and get funding from them. I had a meeting with one of their managers there and was like, wow, this is a fantastic idea, Blake. And you're only coming to us to apply for 10,000 euro. With this, I think you need at least maybe 100,000 euro. You know, they tried their best to help and everything, but the task they gave me to try and get this one before they can fund me was just impossible to make happen. So at the end of the day, nothing ever happened. You know, it didn't happen, you know? So all this only happened when my job let me go last year, 2019, July, and they paid me off after 10 years for working with. This was just like a blessing in disguise, you know? I couldn't take the risk of leaving my job because I will, you know, if I left, I will leave with no money. And if I have no money, how can I start what a career or what I'm trying to do without having the equipment and stuff like that? So, and the funny thing is, I was actually honestly thinking of leaving. And a month later, after these thoughts has been going through my head, I got called up in, we're going to have to make you redundant. It was the happiest day of my life, you know? <laughs> I get the feeling that some of your greatest moments in life so far has been a blessing in disguise or, or someone upstairs looking after you say, Blake, you need to do this or you need to do that. And it sounds like you've taken those opportunities and, and progressed. Where did the love for the camera come? It come from all of this. Because for me to be able to say the whole idea of me trying to bring a message out there, for me trying to say, I want the system to be looked into again. Let's say, for example, for the family court system, you know, to be looked into in a way that can benefit both parents and both children and stuff like that. And not only that, the movies that I'm writing in my head as well, that I've been writing down and everything and the scripts and stuff, for me to want to bring this to life. And with me, I'm someone that's always thinking big. I don't want a situation where I only use a camera phone to make this happen. I want to get my message out to a bigger audience. In order to do this, I thought I, I have to do it professionally. And there was only one thing in my head. If I was going to quit my job to do this, I have to get paid as well. I have to do this, not, you know. So that's when I was thinking, whatever quality of the stuff I want to do, I want to do it for national television. So the likes of RTE or TV3 to be able to air my program. So if I want to go for that quality, then I have to practice my trade and make sure my love, you know, for this, you know. And then 
if I was doing this on the side and I know whatever things I'm trying to do with this, it has to be a non-profit organization because I can't charge on this thing, you know? So that's when the whole idea of was like, I need to practice and know how to make other type of videos apart from documentary videos. I need to make how, practice and know how to make movies. I need to know how to make music videos. I need to know how to shoot wedding videos and all this. And I did. I went to weddings. I shot a few weddings for free, you know, with my friends. And I just go out and just practice and just, you know, just I did a lot of nightclub party videos for free with my friends. I have so many videos. And then that's when I decided I'm going to have to start a multimedia company because there was one thing. I was very good with photography. And now I'm good with videography. Best of both worlds. So I can start a multimedia company and actually work with a lot of different videographers and photographers and actually learn from them as well more, you know? So that's what brought my love into photography and videography and the camera itself. So I know if I'm into the media world, it's impossible for me to do any other type of career again because there's so much to learn in this. It's, it's just, it's unbelievable. There's so much to learn. My love for this is like my love for cars growing up. <laughs> you know, my love for this is just like my love for cars growing up. And I know there's just exceptional things that they're still going to come out and creative idea that's still going to come out from me. No one knows me yet. This is just the beginning of my career. This is the beginning of my videography career. So watch out. <laughs> And when you say you had ideas in your in your head, would you fall asleep and you wake up and you'd be in the middle of a, a, a movie script in your in your head? Tell us about kind of what was rolling through your head at that that time. <sighs> Problems. <laughs> <laughs> you see, every great idea comes from experience. And every script that I've actually written till today is all to do with something that relates to me. And I'll tell you one thing now, yeah? I am not a script writer. I am not a movie writer. But we all have great skills in different things. When an idea comes to my head, I'm picking mobile phone. Maybe a lot of people can learn from this, actually. I pick a voice note and I record a story. I talk about a story or whatever the issue that I'm trying to turn into a movie. And then I send it over. I go on Fiverr or go on Skillshare. I look for script writers. I send them the script and I pay them about 100 or 200 euro. And they help me translate and put everything into a script. And they, you know, draw out some, they even add their own knowledge and, you know, ways to, and I'm, I'm just like, wow, by their work. So that's how I get my script and my movies and stuff like that created, you know, just to get ideas and put together like that, you know? So I don't know how movie creators maybe write their own script and stuff like that, but I just do things in my own world and in my own ways and the ways and ideas that I think of things, you know? Yeah, that's it. In the, the last three or four years of, of doing this, mm-hmm. you've probably made mistakes on the way. How, how do you learn from the mis- those mistakes to get better? Oh, I've made so many mistakes and I fell out with even friends as well, you know, over these issues. Um, I'm trying to think now. Many mistakes would be probably, I don't know, it would, mistakes that I've made wouldn't come much from a videography point of view or photography point of view. It would come from maybe my previous business before this, because I only just stopped the other business just two and a half years ago as well. When I wanted to go into videography, I knew I had to drop everything I had. So I had a shisha business with my brother and a, one of my best friends, an Indian guy, and I literally had to just stop just to be able to focus on this. That was when I made so many mistakes. And these mistakes, I'll tell you, Aaron, they came from me not being myself and forcing myself to do things when I'm supposed to actually go ahead and fix myself first, you know? And I was depressed, I know that. (laughs) But I kept on forcing myself to be, you know, 
to try and make something happen when it wasn't possible. You know, in the business, I try to force myself to always just be there. It's just like the way I see myself then is like depression was written all over my face. And I keep getting rejected or maybe if I wanted to, you know, getting rejected in terms of maybe business proposals and stuff like that. And sometimes it just, I react to them, to some of them. So that's why I would say a, a lot of where my mistakes would have come from when I react to issues or maybe doing things when I'm not supposed to be doing them. So I don't know if I don't want to go too much into details on that now, Aaron. You know, you're a person that has the, the camera and you're behind the camera trying to capture the, the scene or the, the image or the story of the, of the individual. Is there a process or something that you prepare to figure out how to get the right shot or the right angle or the right component of the story of the individual or whatever you're capturing? Oh yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely always a process, always a process because the lighting, the atmosphere, the background, the composition of the background, there's so many processes like, you know, and every background tell a story as well. So uh, how do I put this? <laughs> because uh, I'm not good at explaining a tutorial or such to speak, you know, sometimes you have the ability to be able to say, okay, this is what, you, you know, there's a vision to everything you're trying to achieve. So when you know what you're trying to achieve in anything that you're trying to make, you will know, do I need to do this, for example, in a daylight? Do I need to do this at nighttime? Do I need to use an office space? Do I need to use an home space? So there's so much stuff that you have to put into consideration. So it's the same like when you're writing movies as well. You know, there has to be a place and a time where that incident is happening. You know, so that kind of gives you an idea of how you want to be creative about it or how you want to create that idea and bring that idea to life, you know, so to speak. So it's like when I was doing cars as well, I was never able to explain how I do it. It was just my thing. I don't know. I, I'm not a teacher, so to speak, you know, so I don't know how to teach other people or explain stuff in a way. But I kind of get ideas sometimes as I go along in a way. Maybe that's why sometimes it's hard for me to explain to people how I'm going to achieve something. Sometimes I just leave it with me. You tell me what you want to achieve, leave it with me and I'll come up with a process on how we're going to achieve this or greater than this in a way, you know? Yeah. It's, it's interesting how when we figure out our own ways, but yet when someone tries to tell us, we find it difficult to explain, but yet in our own mind, this is how we view it. I think that's fascinating at the same time. I know, I know. <laughs> and it's probably something that you've kind of discovered in capturing the, the stories through, through society and through the individuals that are providing these stories to you at the same time. I haven't actually started those yet because it's just the beginning now. I haven't started capturing stories of, you know, it was just the beginning when I was about to do this. That's when the pandemic started. You know, I built a studio. We wanted to start using the studio to start doing, you know, TV shows, interviews, and maybe short movies that we were planning on our photographies and stuff like that. I have not started a single one because the studio is only just about to, it was just finished in February and there's just still a little bit of work to be done in there. So once everything is back to normal now, we will finish it off and then we'll be able to start our journey, so to speak, you know? I'd say you're like a, you're like a kid itching to get into it and, and start oh, and start making it. You have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea. I'm like, but I have to say, though, I'm taking the positive out of it because this pandemic has actually helped in a positive way as well. A lot of organizations and people that have, tried, have been trying to get their attention for the last two years, for example, when I have no money, I've been able to actually get their attention now because everyone is at home. Everyone is looking for something to watch and contents to watch. So everyone is actually getting what I'm putting out there before we actually start. And I can already see that the CSI platform and what I'm doing is actually getting there. 
the message is getting out there and people are starting to notice what we're trying to do here. So by the time everything is back to normal, that's when we actually really, really kick off. And I hope everything just go from there. And we try to add our own value to this society, you know, and make a change in a way that we can, save lives in a way that we can, you know, and help people in a way that we can. It sounds like you're in the bus of the players on uh, heading over to the stadium ready for the match. And when everything is kicking back, you'll be starting to play the game. And exactly. Kick off. Yeah. Blood whistle. <laughs> why did you come up with CSI or Common Society Issues? Okay, the main reason why I came up with CSI is to save my children. One, is to save the mother of my children. Two, and in the process, three, to save every other fatherless children in the world and also save every single fathers in the world and single mothers in the world. Because the great thing that we are now realizing right now is acceptance, awareness. So let's say we have two parents, you know, fighting, they broke up and they have a child involved, okay? And this is becoming norm that they never think of the child first, okay? Or the effect this may have on the child or how this is going to affect the child anyhow. So it's either they always use the child as a weapon or some issues, whatever the case may be, that might happen along the way. So why I do this is these people are not aware of these things. They're just maybe, you know, these actions, it might be maybe the lack of home training for some people or maybe the way they're brought up or maybe just not knowing what they're doing and they're doing, they're actually helping themselves. You know, maybe a woman that's using a child, you know, alienating a child from their father or maybe a father that's abusive for all these things. That So the whole idea is if we are able to show you the effect of this type of actions and you're watching this, maybe you might be able to learn a thing or two from it and understand the repercussions of your action. So let's say, like, for example, as we say, the same example, a father and a mother fighting over a child and going into the court system and doing this for 10, 15 years, and that child turned 15 or 16 or something like that, that doesn't have a child, a father in his life or so, or maybe a girl that doesn't grow up with a father or so. There's so many things that we can talk about here that will be missing in that child's life in a way. And there's so many ways that this is going to affect the child. Maybe the young girl grow up, you know, without a father figure that maybe end up being pregnant at the age of 14, 15 or 16 or follow the wrong crew. Maybe you have a 15 year old boy that's hanging around with drug dealers or maybe just learning how to be a man on the street, you know, or maybe just, I don't even know how to put it, but we know so many things that can happen there. So these things, if we kind of put them into a story and show people, some of our contents will be touchy. Some of them will hurt some people. But I think sometimes we've come to a stage in life that sometimes we have to share this kind of message regardless of how it is touchy or how it hurts people because there's a big message in them that people can learn from these issues. That's the whole idea of CSI, that we want to talk about problems, experiences, issues that people go through and stuff like that. And we also make movies about stories that people can actually learn from. For example, you see CSI, a lot of people usually say to me, oh, CSI, that sounds like crime scene investigation. Like that's, you know, or that movie yeah. CSI thing. And I'm like, I'm glad you think of that. Okay, because we all watch this forensic investigation, like, you know, investigation discovery channel. 
you know this channel where yeah. they talk about murders they talk about how the murder was orchestrated you know they talk about maybe evil wife evil husband evil neighbors you know you watch all these things about how somebody was killed i would doubt if we have a program like our program called CSI, Common Society Issues, that is actually talking about issues that is actually going on in life, that is happening in life, in everyday life, that leads to this model. So if we talk about these issues before they lead to these ostracity models or whatever way you can call them, you know what I mean? You know, if we can talk about these issues that can help people before they end up killing each other or before it gets bad or worse, because we're here to help each other and fix problems. You know, instead of this channel that we're watching out people saying how people kill each other, if we have a channel that is showing this kind of information, I think it might save a lot of lives. I think this might help a lot of relationships as well. This might help a lot of children out there as well. Maybe this might even just influence and convince a mother that have not took time to accept that, for example, oh my God, maybe we have a single mother, for example, common CSI talk show. And she talk about her experience in life. She talk about what she went through. She talk about anxiety, you know, about maybe over maybe the daughter or the son going to the father's house. Or maybe she talk about depression. She talk about so many different stuff that is real, authentic. And there's another woman looking at this thinking, wow, I'm actually not alone. I'm, not, I'm going through this. So all this action I've been taking all this while, I've been hurting my child or I've been doing this. And that might inspire them to change just from hearing somebody else's story. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally do. The one thing that kind of strikes my mind there, Blake, and hearing you, it's like your show is a mirror to the individual watching it, whatever is happening in their life. And they can see the maybe the awareness that they don't see in their, their current life through through society issues that you're presenting to them through the, the form of storytelling. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Yes, it would be a mirror. <laughs> you know, there's there's no other way I can put it. You know, it would be a mirror to some people, you know. And there's some people that just want to learn from these things so they know that, you know what, I don't want to go through this in my life. It's not necessarily for people that have issues, Aaron. It is also for people to learn. You may have a 17, 18 years old girl or 20 years old girl watching this show and saying, wow, I don't want to ever make a child suffer. If I ever have a boyfriend or a husband, I will do everything to make sure it's a lasting ever relationship. I will do everything not to find myself in this situation because when I'm in this situation, life will be more difficult. Maybe it will be difficult for me to settle down with another man or this or that. You know, there's a lot of people like that that goes through issues, you know, that they don't share. The only way we can better this society is to try and reduce the amount of these kind of issues happening. And to do that is by teaching other people that have never experienced this so they know how to shape their life. Do you with me? You know? Yeah. And I know you're trying to tell a story through the individual, but when you when you hear a story, it probably brings you to that, that moment of where everything kind of stops and you're, you're listening to that. You become ingrained in the, the components of the story. But as someone that is on the other side of the camera, I know you have been, you're currently recording stuff, but do you become engrossed that story as well while you're, while you're listening to it, while you're hearing it and recording at the same time? It does, it does. Well, I kind of let not... I actually know... <laughs> if I'm the one editing the video and I'm behind the camera actually recording the video, a lot of the time the video touched me. It touched me a lot. But when I'm behind the story and behind the camera, trust me, my focus is on both ends. 
because my focus is on the story, but most importantly, my focus is behind the camera. Let's not forget because the camera that is capturing the moment of that story, I can't make mistakes there. You know, for example, I can't be behind the camera and just say, and speak, for example, and be like, wow, sorry to hear that, or maybe try to respond to somebody's story while they're speaking. So I have to respect the fact that maybe people are communicating or maybe it's just one person communicating. So I don't let the story touch me because I can't let it really affect me behind the camera. But where this affects me the most is when you're listening to it over and over, when you're editing the video. So you will know, I know the story more than anyone else because I'm making the video, you know, and listening to what was happening. So that's where I really, really take my path to hear the person and listen to the story even more. You know, so behind the camera, I'm mostly focused on the camera while I'm putting my attention on the story as well. So I don't know if I answer your question there. Yeah, you, you did indeed. With all the people that you've, you've let's just say you've, you've done or you've, you've come across and you've edited and you've finished it, have those lessons through that common society issue that you've done, does it A, improve you as an individual and as someone that is looking through a lens of, of one issue at the same time and, and figure out how, how can I, as an individual, improve based on what I've just seen and the story that I've just heard and edited and produced oh. at the same time? Oh, yeah. I learned actually from every story. And trust me, yes, it does improve me in every way. And I've always like looking for a way like um, I haven't done much of an interview yet, so to speak, because we're waiting for. So most of the interviews that we've done so far, mostly have been through Zoom. And I've also have more than 20 people that I've actually interviewed without being recorded. Now we just sit down and talk about issues and I interview them about issues and I talk to them about, you know what, when when this program starts, I would like to invite you to the studio and we can go over this again. A lot of those stories have taught me a lesson and a lot of them as well. Um, I got an important lesson through a lot of these that, you know what, not that we are only here to tell stories or we're only setting up a platform to tell stories and stuff. We are also setting up the platform to be able to bring organizations that can help on board as well. Because I want to bring the likes of lawyers, you know, universities, hospitals, hospitals, rehab centers, psychological therapists, or any type of all these people, you know, I love to bring them on board for them to come and share their own story, what they're doing in the society, what value they had into the society. Why is the society finding it difficult to locate them or seek out for help from them? You know, what a general advice that they want to give to the public and stuff like that on how to find them or any advice on the services they're providing. So we will be having all of this information. I'm planning basically to work with all this organization and have all this organization information on our website and we'll have videos of them and information of them because, you know, there are stories that are people that have interviewed with your question, yeah? That are the stories that are actually here that I know even with this person sharing this story. I know they still need help. And I know I am only here to help them share that story, but I can't actually physically help them, you know, to escape what they're going through. And I know the only way I can help them in this is by connecting them to the right people that can help them. So if they come on that platform to share a story about their life and they're still needing help, but they're just sharing the, these experiences they're having and everything like that. If I can connect them to the organization that can help and to add to that, the audience that's listening to their story, also, there'll be some that need help and they wouldn't know how to seek that help. And we are only 
a place or a platform where we're only showing information graphically on videos and stuff like that but we are not professionals we can't help these people we are only helping them share their stories and create awareness and help other people so it would make sense that it doesn't stop there that we'll be able to go further and actually help them you know reach their goal help them actually break the shell or come out of whatever problems or traumas they're going through and be a better person so that's why we're bringing those organizations on board that can help you know Fantastic. I think you have something quite amazing here. In looking back that you explained your, your story earlier in 2016, do you wish that something like this, that you could go to yourself and figure out that, that you know, that, that your story could have been heard through a platform like this and find help in some way to fast track what you experienced in the past? Yes. Oh, a lot. I will tell you one thing now. You see, in 2016, when I first came up with this idea and when we talk about depression, one regret I had was I was still angry. It took me a long process to actually be a changed person, you know, to actually think of this assertively in a positive way. It was a great deal. It was a very, very great deal of the thing because it wasn't easy for me to accept my past and everything I've gone through. And being angry, the way I was, let me be honest with you, the way I was going to undo CSI before, oh my God, was very bad. <laughs> because I wanted, I would have done videos and I thank God that I did not release any of those videos. I made videos in my bedroom. And me being this angry person, my whole idea for CSI was like, oh, this angry man coming out to talk about women in a negative way because one person did him wrong, you know, talk about, you know, it was, I'm sorry to say, was, I don't mind sharing it because that was the bad me, you know. It took a while for me to be able to change to be a better person. And because that was because I met some good people in my life and they were telling me like, you know, things can't go like this if you want things to change, you know. First, you need to fix yourself. You need to come out of this thing that is boiling in you. You need to come out of this depression, you know, before you be able to make an idea like this. You certainly do have a fantastic idea, but certainly this is not the way to go about it. You know, you can't fight this system. You're never going to win. You can't go about things in a very arrogant way. It's just never going to happen. So it took a long while. And when I came to accept this, after helping myself doing some meditation and stuff, doing so many different stuff to help myself reading a lot of books and, you know, doing courses as well in the process and just seeing that, okay, I can achieve something out of this. I regretted a lot because when I was changing, I was thinking, wow, so I can do this. So I can be this person. I can be like this. Oh my God, I'm fucking 31, 32 now. Why didn't I have this idea 10 years ago? Why was I hanging out with the wrong crew 10 years ago? This is phenomenal. Why am I, no, why didn't have, I have this thinking or this positive mindset 10 years ago? 10 years ago, why did I not have a goal for myself? Why did I not have all these, you know? So all those regrets I have to pull back and be like, you know what, it's never too late. I can still make those things happen. And if I can do it now, I can inspire people that are 20 years old and 19 years old to set a goal for themselves and never go through the same path that I go through, you know, never go through the lifestyle that I lived. So that made me wrote a documentary about myself as well, to some extent, and actually write about a story about my life to be able to show younger teenagers that there's more to life than trying to party, show off, or be this person, or put a badge on yourself, you know, or do this fake it till you make it thing, or, you know, I don't know. It's more about reality for me now, you know? So that was uh, when the change came. Excellent. I hear that you're 
passionate, confident. You have this big goal that you want to to achieve. I know that you will will do it over, over time and the, the pandemic has kind of stopped that progress. But do you feel like that awesomeness that you have was generated through years of understanding who you are, what you do, the passion, the camera, everything. It sounds like you became all rounded in the last two or three years now that you want to bring that knowledge to to educate, inspire, you know, old, young, everyone on, on this planet and society through finding their journey, but yes, not making the mistakes that you made through your journey to to make them awesome and successful in their way at the same time. Yes, that's very true. All everything where I am today is all because of my experiences and I don't regret them anymore. I'm grateful for all of my experiences. Like I said before, when I was transiting, I was regretting wasting 10 years or 12 years of my life doing nothing. But those experiences, if I never had them, I will not be where I am today. It would have not changed me. And I'm glad everything that happened to me happened to me. I am glad that the mother of my children dumped me. I am glad that all of this happened. You know, I'm glad that I went through depression. I'm glad that I was almost close to committing suicide. But that will never happen again because I see the light now, you know? So all of these things actually shaped who Nick Jones is today. This shaped my life today. And this is what I want to share with the world and in the process, help other people as well. So you're right. What inspires you, Blake? People. People. You inspire me. Everyone inspires me. And I just want to see people happy, you know? I want to see everyone happy. Male, female, mothers, fathers, everyone. I want to see everyone happy. I hate to see people fight. I hate to see people having misunderstanding, you know? I hate, now, I hate to see lovers becoming enemies. A lot of these issues are all happening through maybe the growth of social media, the growth of um, lack of awareness sometimes, you know, or maybe the way we're being brought up and maybe sometimes the way we raise our children. You know, there's a lot of these topics that we're going to tackle and talk about on CSI at some point as well, you know. Like we have a lot of young teenagers now just having babies there or so, or we have, you know, and they actually don't know how to take care of the kids. And those kids are growing up to be something else in the society today. So we have to have a way of maybe teaching young women or women that are having kids at an early stage that don't know how to look after their children, you know, and maybe a lot of those things, a lot of things like this inspires me because I just, I'm inspired to try and make a difference in a way, you know, and I believe what I'm doing or what we're trying to do out here, there's not many people or organizations doing it right now, but I would love for many organizations to start doing this now. I don't want us to be the only one. And I would love for any organization that want to be a take or be a part of this to come on board as well if we have to do it on one platform. But I just want to see many people doing this and raising awareness. You know, we have so many inspirational speakers out there. I'm not an inspirational speaker. I've always said this as well. You know, I'm someone that is going to give you a reality check. You know, it's like a reality check program where I'm not here to say, okay, oh, you have to read this or do this to inspire you and stuff like that. There's so many people that do inspirational video. Jay Shetty and everyone. So if you, if people want to do that, if you want to get inspired, we can do that. I believe our program as well will also inspire people, but just not in a way some other people might take it, you know? It's all about learning in the process of being inspired as well. 
yeah, your inspiration and other people's inspiration are completely different. But yes, we're all like a like a, a shoal of fish going in the right direction, but everyone has their own individual purpose. Mm-hmm. That's true. And, and do you feel that the common society issues is your true purpose that you want to bring to the world? I 100% believe so. And the reason why I believe so is that we need to start doing this now and raising this awareness because if we don't, there are some fundamental topics that I believe that we're going to share on CSI over time for the next. This is like a lifetime program for me. Even if I die, there'll be people that will be operating this in a way. And the reason why I'm saying this is because if we don't start this now, Aaron, 20 years from now, what we're going to be seeing in our community is mental health institution being built in different areas. Is that what we want? Do you get what I mean? That's yeah. not what we want. We don't want, but we can do our best to add value to this society and community by sharing stories, by doing this, that we will save a lot of people. We help a lot of people, I believe, you know, and maybe we don't have to build so many mental health institutions in 20 years to come because there's so much damage and so much things that is happening in the society today. And for example, I feel so sorry for the millennium kids, for example, you know, in our society today. Kids that were born in the millenniums. I'm glad that I grew up like, you know, in the 80s where I've seen black and white television, you know, at you know, there was nothing like mobile phones. I learned how to do physical activities and everything like that. But the Millennium Kids now, everything they want to play is on a mobile phone. You know, the watch TV is on a mobile phone. You know, no one is really doing physical stuff or actually learning physical ways of life, you know, or I don't know, <laughs> you know? You know, so that's why I believe, like, in order to stop mental health being built, and what I said earlier, better we start CSI. And this is, is something I really, really believe in. And I believe it was just something that will go for a long time yeah it sounds like you're leaving a, a legacy like you know we read the bible the bible is 2000 years old but it's still a book where people refer to storytelling and way of living in some way i think that's what you're trying to do as well as provide a, a book or a content or something that everyone throughout their whole lifetime can open and, and figure out the the issues that are that are burning and cause society to be the way the way it is Blake, Blake, if someone if someone came to you on the street and said, "Hey, if there was one piece of advice that you could give me, what would it be?" Never give up. Never give up on whatever difficulties or anything you're facing in life, and just focus. That would be one piece of advice. I think that's a great piece of advice, and I think you've you've lived that and experienced that, where you just keep fighting. And that's the way we should all be. I think. I say thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Do you have a hero or do you look up to someone in the, the camera world or the movie world or are you just someone that someone that's just inspiring himself to be the best version of, of himself? I just like to do stuff by myself one thing anyway, but I don't consider myself being the best. So I always looking I'm always looking up to every videographers and photographers out there, even in Ireland. I've tried to contact a few people in Ireland within the same industry. And one thing I noticed is that a lot of people very how do I put it? A lot of people are very fearful of working with other people somehow. And I don't know why. I look up to every videographer. I don't care how good you are. You know why? Because I know together we can make a difference. We can work together. We can achieve something great together. But I've noticed one thing in Ireland. A lot of people hate competition. And nobody wants to work with you or do anything with you. Simply because they think that you're stealing from their market. Or you're trying to do something from their market. And I am this guy. I came into this world just knowing that. I want to survive. I want to make a difference. And in order to do this, I know I cannot do it alone. I need to work with people. 
But why is it so difficult sometimes to work with people? Because sometimes your idea might scare them or they may not even get that far. They just figure out that, oh, wow, you're a videographer. You're going to, you know, I can get involved with you. So sometimes I find that a little bit difficult. And also along the way, I've met some amazing guys and amazing videographers as well. Even in Northern Ireland or in Ireland, there's people that I know I'm still going to do great things with. And guess what? Even the people that rejected to work with me, the funny thing is, I would still like to work with them at some point. If they still come back, we will still work because together we can achieve great things, like I said. And people inspire me, like you asked me earlier, and videographers are people that inspire me as well. And if nobody would do stuff with me, I still create stuff myself. I still do things, you know? Like, let's kind of go into the future here and imagine that CSI is, is at its peak and you're capturing every society story and issue on, on the planet. Would you feel that you've reached the stage of self-mastery through your, your craft and what you are? Or do you feel that there is still more to offer? There will always be more to offer because, like I said, this would be my new career until my dying day. I don't know, maybe until the day that I retire or so. Stories are never ending, Aaron. Stories are never ending. And the way I'm seeing CSI in the future is, yes, we're starting this in Ireland now, but the plan is to have CSI worldwide, have CSI America, have CSI Africa, you know, have CSI in England and all that, and have different representatives from different locations all around the world doing this. So I don't see myself ever living this, you know? And the other side of it as well is that with a production company, I will be doing some production that would have nothing to do with CSI as well, because that's where I would have to be making my living from. And we're starting CSI at the moment, being a non-profit organization. So everything we're doing here right now is free to the public and free to the world, you know? So it's something I'm passionate about. That's why I also told you that I learned my trading on the, you know, video production side of things. So making movies, music videos, wedding videography and stuff like that. So I will still be doing that. So if I was ever to take a break, for example, working in CSI, that will never come until a stage where we build a team, where we have a team doing this. That I know even if I was to take a year break or two years break, there are people still working. Their stories still being shared. There's still things still being talked about. The people still being interviewed and stuff like that. I want this to get to a stage where we would actually have a station where, you know, it would be like Dr. Phil, where people actually come in and, you know, and actually go to, we would have audiences basically, maybe something like every Friday evening where we could have a two hour show where we would have big audiences sit down. So there's a lot of things on the pipeline and dreams for me to try and achieve on CSI. There's so many things we can go on and talk about here, but I know there's a greater future in this. Blake, how do you define passion? How do I define passion? Yes. Passion is something to me, something that you love and something that you can never get tired of doing. Something that you know you can wake up to every day knowing that it's something that would improve you, will make you get better. It's something that you love, you will never regret doing something that you can never get tired of, like I said, you know? Like sometimes, like me, I wouldn't say passion is like working for a company and going into work knowing that you are unhappy and knowing that, you know, you're not passionate about your job that you're doing that. Then why are you doing it? Passion to me now is knowing that I'm able to do the things that I love waking up every morning knowing that okay I'm going to do something refreshing and something that I love again you know so I don't know I don't know how to describe passion I don't believe that's just passion to me anyway I was never passionate when I used to work for other companies before when I was going through experiences in the companies for example knowing that I cannot grow I couldn't grow for many different reasons 
one that is controversial is being black and you're working in a very very big organization knowing that maybe the white people in there favor themselves and knowing that you know you can't go because of this person that you are and especially when you're someone that is very confident and someone that is outspoken is very very intimidating to the to the other counterparts where they're like you know what we're going to block you you're not going anywhere you know this is stuff I would love and I will still talk about at some point in future anyway that's a story for another day you know but yeah I lost my passion working for big organizations or doing stuff because I know I'm just there to do nine to five and making money weekly monthly but now when I'm doing something that I love you know it's totally different I don't know how somebody else might describe passion but that is passion to me doing something that I love like you kind of mentioned something there do you feel that your your makeup or your color is a disadvantage to you in some way in in what you do 100 percent. we're in ireland aaron what part of ireland do you stay again limerick limerick oh super let me ask you a question would you say racism is still much alive today oh def- you- definitely i think it's i think it still is it's buried but it pops up here and there you know now let me ask another question how would you, i know you may not be able to answer this but how would you compare racism from 20 years ago 10 years ago and now i would think that it hasn't it hasn't it has changed minorly but it's still i think it still exists but not as the way it was maybe 10 20 30 years ago if that makes sense super super you see, I love, I love 20 years ago and I love 15 years ago up until about 10 years ago, Aaron. And I love the Irish way then. Let me tell you that. I love it. Let me tell you why. Because everyone was very direct. The Irish would come up to me and tell me, you black nigger or go back to niggerland. And I'm like, what the fuck? Where, where is niggerland? You know? So I've got into so many, many, many racist fights back in the day. So many stab wounds and stuff like that, you know? Back in the day, growing up in Ireland. And I love the past. I grew up like a thug or something then. I was a street boy or something then, you know? Like, I would never let anyone go if you call me the N-word and stuff like that, you know? But I will tell you what changed. And I'm glad that I grew up here. So I, I was able to see all the transition, you know? So, you see, what changed, Aaron, is technology. 20 years ago, we don't have many of these camera phones. We don't have this. I remember 22 years ago when I came to Ireland, I swear on my mother's life in heaven. Every white people, if I come across 10 white people, nine out of 10 people were like, wow, hello. When I was pushing my little sister on the buggy, then we're going, oh my God, beautiful baby. Everyone is like, being black was so new in Ireland. There were very, very, very few blacks in Ireland. My mom was the first woman in Ireland to have an African shop that sells food, an African shop that have the hairdressing saloon and everything. She was the best hairdresser in the whole of Ireland. It was very few. And racism then, it was there, but anyone that had it, they show it. There was nothing to hide. But now, there are cameras in every organization, there are cameras in the shops, there are cameras in the hotels, there are cameras, you know, in most places, and there are cameras on mobile phones. So people change their method. So people are very cautious. You will never see anyone using the N-word now. Because they know one thing, they can lose their job, they can lose their career, they will go on the media and people will just attack them and stuff like that. But instead, racism comes in a different way. They attack you in a different way. And sometimes it speaks and sometimes it doesn't speak. You know, if you get what I mean. And when I say it attacks you in a different way, it could attack you in in your workplace. It happens to people in colleges or universities. And we'll still get people to come on board and share their experiences. I, will, I can't wait to share my experience in most professional organizations that I've faced, that I've worked for, and I have evidence for all this. 
maybe those will be in trouble by then or something, you know. But these things, we have to raise this awareness and talk about these issues, you know. And not so to speak, I'm not talking about racism sometimes that I'm saying maybe white people are racist or some white people are racist, some Irish people are racist. Let me tell you something, Aaron. Some black people are racist as well. <laughs> you know, some black people, like, they come to this country and they don't have a goal for themselves and they don't fucking understand what they're doing in this country. You come up here, you get the social welfare, you get the, you know, you get the taxpayers' money, you get everything and all that. You never think of any way of contributing into this society. And you're bringing all your money, you're sending everything back home and all that. You're building houses back home and you will never have anything to do with white people and stuff like that. But the funny thing is you may have a child here, you know, and there's some people that even have mixed race kids as well. They have child here, but they're still investing and doing everything back home. And the funny thing is you don't even think of your future. Those kids, your children and stuff, they're not even going to end up going to those properties or living in Africa or going in Africa or doing everything. So, so sometimes I could say it is culture thing that some people don't accept maybe sometimes to adapt here and they see maybe white people or white things or doing it the white way. They look at it differently or somehow like that, you know? And this is one of the topics as well that we'll be talking on CSI and stuff like that as well, you know? So racism is very, very, very much still alive. And I actually believe it's even bigger now than ever. Wow. You know? And the thing is that if people like me and other people don't come out and speak, we will never be aware of this. The good people like yourself will never be aware of this or wouldn't understand what's going on. Yeah. You know? So that was it. Blake, where can people find you? Common Society Issues on YouTube, all one word. Just type in Common Society Issues without a space. On Facebook, it's the same thing. Common Society Issues. On Instagram, it's also the same thing. So anyone can connect to me on Common Society Issues. My name is Blake Jones, but I barely use my personal page, you know, to respond to messages. So if anyone wants to contact me, they should go to Common Society Issues. Our website as well. Blake, thank you so much for coming to the show. It's been a blast, man. Thank you so much for bringing me on board as well and inviting me to your show. It's amazing talking to you, Aaron. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details